Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. And now a word from the President of the United States of America. <sighs> Hello, it is me, the COVID killer, the President of Television in the United States of America. And while we're on a Zoom call, I just want to be honest. I am well-dressed. I am fully dressed from the waist up. Now, I want to give a bigly appreciation to NBC for making me look like a distinguished mammal at the debate last night. I clearly see, I clearly see that you remembered Bill Cosby wasn't the only one keeping your abysmal, that's right, abysmal fake news multimedia platform afloat. It was my pudding pop who carried Omarosa, I mean, The Apprentice, where I also played president in the highest rated reality show since Love and Cardi. Okay, making me the biggest white in black media since Abe Lincoln. Look it up. Look it up. To all my blacks, if you like platinum plans, the Kardashians, NWA, and power, I'm the friend you need. Think about it. Sleepy Joe Biden said, you're not black if you don't vote for him. And I know that I don't include you, but it's by design. Think about it. Think about it. Why do I need 47 million votes that look like you when I have 200 million people who look like me? Okay. Math. Everybody on a Martin, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash a bird 40 on attack. Yeah, I make the nerdy if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do whatever that it takes to make a black a nation. Hold on. Was Donald Trump really the least racist person in the room during the debate? So if you are a person of color, usually you are waiting to hear these words. Let's talk about race relations. Now you're at attention. You're like, okay, my time to shine. So first of all, let's, let's line up these candidates. You have the president who is a 70 plus year old white man. You have the presidential candidate, Joe Biden, who is also a 70 plus year old white man. There is racism all in both of those two bodies, okay? Like, there is no conversation about that. Now, here's the one thing that I am definitely going to do my judging. One presidential candidate said, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. But I got Kamala. And then the other one says, no one does more for blacks than me. I had done more for blacks since Abraham Lincoln. Both are mildly offensive, mildly offensive, sort of. 
But one X'd me out. The other one has a door cracked open. But do I want to enter that room? That's the question. Hanif, what say you? I would say that uh, I read a report that Kid Rock was in the audience. Oh, shoot. So Donald Trump might have a point. Because Kid Rock is the racist as f- But aside from that, you know, like, like you're saying, like you got these 70-year-old men who grew up in a time when, you know, being racist was kind of normalized. You know what I'm saying? It was just embedded in the fabric of, you know, society and they completely benefited from it. And they, you know, they are who they are in part, in part because of it. Right. So what I was watching um, an interview with David Letterman and Dave Chappelle last night and Chappelle made a point in saying that, you know, if Russia and Iran is preying on the fact that America is racist and we have this big racial divide, then racism in this country is a national security issue, right? So if that's the case, when you have the presidents talking about race in this country, I don't think either of them are doing enough to to speak on the gravity of what it means to finally deal with racism in America. Because, you know, it's been you know, a hundred some odd years and we're still trying to have the conversation. And I think both of them can stand to do a little bit better on their race relations. And first of all, well, not first of all, second of all, just to piggyback on what you just said. Yo, if I'm Trump or Biden and Russia says some shit like that about our race relations in our country, I'm flying over there and I'm pimp smacking Putin on site. First of all, Russia, Australia, they can't talk about our, our race relations here. They don't even have integration in other countries. Go ahead. They, they, but they're nationalist country. Like Russia is Russia. All, like most of the people in Russia is Russian. You know what I'm saying? America is this whole melting pot and they're not, they're not saying anything is wrong with it. They're just using it to their advantage to, to polarize our citizenship to get us, like, to have us fighting amongst each other. But that's Yeah, I got you. No, and that's the point that I'm making. If I was president, I would be on Air Force One, you know what I'm saying, with my Texas cow, longhorn cowboy hat and my lasso ready to tie up some, uh, <laughs> what my man Trump would say, bad hombres. I'm not even playing. Mm. You don't do that. Who for The other countries don't have to deal with certain things that we need to deal with in this country, which is, you know, it's one of those things where... Let's say I talk about you, Hanif, right? And we was amongst our circle of five, right? But for some reason, the day I was talking about you, it was seven of us because two of them was like cousins of other people. And they came out the circle talking wild like, yo, you got to hear this shit that Masoor was saying about Hanif, yo. Like, I'm going to have to wow on him, even though it's my fault because I was talking wild crazy. Right. But I was around the other people in our circle that knows I wouldn't say this shit out loud. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, this is some in-house shit. But if somebody came out there and was talking to some people outside that respect me and you and was like, yo, you got to hear that that Nauru was talking about. Yo, you got to hear that with that Nas was saying, yo. Nas was saying some wild, funny, dummy shit about Hanif. Right. And then that shit get back to you on some, what? What, 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 right? That's how that usually go. Right. So the point I'm making is, 
I wouldn't let people outside of this country talk to our citizens about our country. Like what? Like, isn't one of your isn't one of your cousins just flying over here trying to make things better? Get the fuck out of here. Go go back to Russia. I don't want to hear none of that. What will your favorite drug dealer sell now that Oxycontin is out of business? Which which reminds me, I gotta call my man right now because I need an ace like a motherfucker. Don't worry, folks. You'll still be able to get your oxys. Um, nothing's really gonna change um, with the government cracking down on the Purdue Pharma Corporation that uh, created Oxycontin. Um, they're just giving them a really husky fine of like eight and a half billion dollars, which they're gonna have to set up a fund to. Um, help with treatment of opioid addiction and research and things like that. But they will still be able to continue to sell Oxycontin. And then they're going to also sell a sort of anecdote for people who overdose that reverses the, um, uh, the side effects. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because this is a classic American gangster story. Absolutely. You have the Sackler brothers. Um, they are immigrants uh, who came into the country. Um, all three of them are medical professionals. I, I believe they were psychiatrists. Uh, and then one of the brothers kind of got into pharmaceutical uh, advertising. And, you know, he kind of created this kind of uh I think how the industry works today, where they actually go to the doctors directly, give them the pills, make them recommend them. And then they are hustling. They're selling drugs through the doctors. Uh, uh, uh. These are real Americans. We should salute them. Immigrants from another country. Do you even know the country, honey? Um, uh, It's a European country. Like, Don't worry about it. From the European Union to this country. They did a pilgrimage. They wound up doing American cartel cowboy shit on us for decades. Billion, they made so much money that they had to give up damn near $8 billion. I think it was more than $8 billion. So that was just their, one of the funds. Their family net worth, their family net worth is $13.5 billion. Yo, I mean, even if you left them with $2 billion, they're good. They're still good. And like, right. They're still, they're still participating in the day to day, you know, transactions. Once the company's restructured, they're still going to be making plenty of money. We haven't seen something like this since the Philip Morris team. OK, mm-hmm. right. like real. Shit, you know what I'm saying? Like since the Philip Morris team, there has never been something like this economical as far as some American gangster cartel, you know, shit. And that's funny. That lets you know about the United States of America because nothing good, nothing good is made here. Mm -hmm. Nothing good is made here. Just people. Like the only great thing that America has is people. Like the people are the greatest resource, but we don't get the best weed here, the best crack here, the best cars here, the best women here. This is ridiculous. You know, like why this is important to me, right? Because I feel like I'm just going to live with the fact that I'm going to put a black angle on everything that I talk about. That sounds about right with you. So the the funny thing about this is like they came here and and because they are medical professionals, um, they're white. 
they are able to go through this process and amass this wealth. You know what I'm saying? And get, you know, 40. Well, they, they came out with the drug in 1996. So it's about a 25, 30 year run of them being able to hustle this drug and make all of this money. When you see black um, drug dealers, you know, who came up in the crack epidemic, you know what I'm saying? If you want to talk about uh, uh, Alpo and Rich Porter, um, come on, man, keep it, keep it Essex County, man. Get an Oc Prey in there for us. You want to talk about Oc Prey? You want to talk about yo, um, your family members who had a nice little run? Um, what my family? What, what are you talking about? Don't talk nobody nothing. What are you talking about? We're talking about the audience in general who knows, like, oh, oh thank members. you. I understand. With the drugs, and it's like, yo, as soon as you get to the point of you feeling like, all right, we're gonna turn this over into some legit enterprise, right? You know, the police crack down and all of these other things. Yeah. And I don't want to legitimize drug dealing, but I just want to, you know, put it in perspective and how this country works. Where, like, you know, Jack Kennedy, who came from bootlegging and eventually turned into a wealthy businessman, and his son became the president, and they're. You know, the Kennedys have been enthralled in the American fabric, political fabric, you know, for, for, for years, for decades. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. Did L.A. Reid sell his 40 acres in a mule? The f***? <laughs> so this is uh, in reference to the deal that L.A. Reid just recently made where he sold 100% of his masters to uh, a publicly funded company called Hypnosis. Um, and it's spelled H-I-P-G-N-O-S-I-S. And it's a um, European company. And it was started by a gentleman by the name of Merck. Merck I'm going to kill a name. Mercuriitis. Yeah, I would go with Merrick Mercuriatus, but I'm with you. Okay. So he um, was a music manager in American music and he worked with big acts. So essentially he went into this investment firm and created this organization where they are buying up uh, musical publishing and masters and putting it into a publicly traded fund. So... Um, I believe L.A. Reid's positioning is a long-term thing where he's selling off his masters, but it's going to be positioned in a way where he could still benefit from them because this company is, has, it's a European stock exchange, but if he has stock in the company, essentially as they amass more uh, publishing, they're going to become more valuable and, you know, that money is going to continue to grow. So he's probably going to benefit more in the long run. I just feel like it's peculiar that he would do this in the time when blacks are fighting for ownership of their masters. And, you know, this company has amassed some big names. Like they got Timberland's catalog. They got the RZA's catalog, um, you know, and some other notable acts, Rodney Jerkins is signed over there. So it's like rappers and R&B artists could probably forget about getting their masters, but this is a way for them to reinvest in themselves if they want to buy stake in that company. Some people like to wear diamonds. Some people like to sell diamonds. Mm. In this case, you have saw someone 
who is willing to sell diamonds because his worth of those diamonds are going to be maybe quadruple the amount. Right. If you have 40 acres in a mule, how do you get 80 acres in two? Mm. You sell the 40 acres for double the price. I see, I see. Hypnosis. Hypnosis. They've been doing some heavy shopping. So since their start in 2018, they have raised a billion dollars. Now, even though their revenue, and this could be in, uh, in pounds, not U.S. dollars, is right. 65.2. 66 million in 2020. And that's according to Wikipedia. So you already know you take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But the point I'm making is they raised up to a billion dollars and went shopping. Right. right. So they have bought 5,000 songs in 2018. Out of those 5,000 songs, 2,000 of those are number one hits. 4,000 of those songs reached the top 10. So they are looking to get songs that let's say a movie director like Steven Spielberg wants, you know, some classic song because, you know, Tom Cruise got to do some great real fast. And you already know the publishing on that cost. You know what, you know? And that's what they're going for. And on top of that, with L.A. Reid, for him, I mean, it's, it, it goes back to the individual person, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're brown, at this point, it's more of, this is what I need for me. Because I can only protect the people that's around me. Right. I know that I should make a bigger statement, such as Stevie Wonder leaving Motown to start his own label. Mm. That's big, right? That's big in itself. And... This brother, L.A. Reid, who got to be CEOs and a great songwriter under a lot of different labels, Alan Def Jam, to be one of the more notable ones. This guy, that's another thing that we also should understand. These hits that he's selling off, this a, these are his work that he produced in songwriting. In songwriting. Right. You know, for those who be thinking about Beyonce, how great she is, all my single ladies, all my single ladies, let's not forget the dream wrote that. Right. The dream isn't going to get that money off that song the way Beyonce is going to get money off that song. Mm-hmm. How does dream get the money that he thinks he deserves off that song? I sell it to hypnosis. They got a billion dollar spending fee for some reason. They got I me mean, a billion dollar sp- spending limit. Yeah. I can use some of that money. What say you? Um, well, I, I, it's a good business venture. Um, I would go on record to make a stock suggestion. Okay. To go ahead and purchase it right now. It's at one hundred and nineteen dollars a share. Oh shit! If you can get on a European stock exchange, I would go ahead and buy it because um, essentially what you're going to have is they're going to continue to buy, uh, you know, these these masters and these publishers, and then the artists. If they're smart, they should be investing in that company. If you're an artist and you're like, yo, I know, I know I'm never going to be able to own my master's. I will put a ton of money into this company um, through their stock and just take it for a ride. Because like you said, as a movie producer uses it, 
um, as Swiss beats in them, do these versus battles, and then the streaming numbers go through the roof, that stock is going to continue to go up and up and up and up. And this is something that's perpetual because classic music lasts forever. You know what I'm saying? So anybody that samples it and uses that song is going to have to pay residual money and that company is going to be more profitable so they can get their money one way or the other. Did Rick Ross just double up on 40 acres in a mule? What the f***? <laughs> what? What's the f*** is going on? I'm, the, I'm, like, I'm not on Instagram no more. So I don't know sh- What the f*** is this? Um, so Rick Ross just recently brought uh, 87 acres of land in Georgia. Uh, and what was interesting to me about this is because initially the way that it was positioned, like it's, the caption says something like the promised land is here or whatever. So I'm thinking like I'm tying it to, you know, the people who recently brought 90 acres of land to kind of create a mecca for black folk. So I'm like, OK, Rick Ross is on board. He bought another almost 90 acres. He's going to create a new black city or something like that. But. Um, I just think Rick Ross doesn't want to have neighbors. And, you know, I just when, when I was researching this, I found out that in 2018, the, the new newest version of Superfly, that movie is on like stars or something. Um, but it was shot using Rick Ross's uh, property and his mansion. And then recently, Eddie Murphy tapped into Rick Ross to shoot uh, the sequel to Coming to America. So Rick Ross is positioning his property to be uh, something that Hollywood uses uh, in direct competition with Tyler Perry Studios. That's my opinion. He didn't say it, but it seems like he's trying to amass more property to be able to use that property in movies and film. I would I would call that righteous speculation by you only righteous speculation. Don't worry. I got your back on that. Uh, I like the way that storyline is set up. I could definitely see Rick Ross beating Tyler Perry in production money. I can see that. But let me tell you this. What's up? Tyler Perry Studios is on, a, on 330 acres of land. So he has a lot more work to do. That may be true, but Rick Ross has the connections. He has the people that want to be around Rick Ross. Mm. I don't know if a lot of people want to be around Tyler Perry. (laughs) Actually, I think Tyler Perry don't even want to be around all those other people that have egos and talent. You know, only him can have the ego and talent. Right. So he'll just call, you know, meet the Browns dude and, you know, his whole cast and they'll just keep doing movies over and over and over again. They'll just do Black Cheech and Chong you know, number 36, whatever, whatever. Right. I find it funny that he bought 87 acres of land. So he definitely doubled on the 40 acres thing. Easy, right? Coasted that by seven more acres for $1 million. Right. In 2014, he bought Evander Holyfield's mansion for 5.8 mil. Mm. Now, it does have... 12 bedrooms, 21 bathrooms, 12 bedrooms, 21 bathrooms. Who, who would stay there with you? Who, who would you let live with you? 12 bedrooms, 21 bathrooms in your mansion. 
you can give me at least four names. Who would I let? Yeah, like who like who can just stay there? Like, yo, you know, it's all good. Oh, yeah. There's 12 bedrooms. Rihanna definitely could come through. Oh shoot! <laughs> Even say no, no. You saying it like that, or you want personal? I would, I would, I, I would reserve my mom. Right. You know what I'm saying, but other than that, like, and my mom would probably bring like my my other family. You know. What yeah. I'm but <laughs> if if I'm stunting, if I got a crib with that many bedrooms, I'm definitely shooting for the stars and inviting Ashanti. She could definitely come through. Um, I mean, they got mansions too, though. I'm pretty sure they don't want. They're gonna be like, they're gonna be on some straight. Uh, you know how w- women that got, shit, I like women that got, because women that got, shit, they're going to your apartment and be like, if, I'm about to go home now. Like, <laughs> like what you about to do? Oh, now I'm about to be out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that. That's funny. Like Ashanti, she got. I said Ashanti. Ashanti, she has a mansion probably too. You know, so she like, I'm about to just go home. Like.
So Buster Rhymes like, I don't give a about all that. Like, I'll bust your in any generation or any era that you want to battle. Um, so the battle never transpired. Um, and then uh, it ended up going where now T.I. is going to battle uh, Young Jeezy on November 19th. So in your mind, what do you think would be a better battle, T.I. versus Busta Rhymes or T.I. versus Young Jeezy? Okay, so the answer to that is T.I. versus Busta Rhymes. But before we get into that, I just want to say, based on the storyline you just told me, that you just narrated to me, I feel as though that in my top 10, I have a number 11, and Buster Rhymes has just put himself in that number 11 slot. Yeah. Because... Based on what you just told me, T.I. is scared to battle someone <laughs> that, yo, and, and he and, and he can hit me with this generation who got bullshit all he want. Buster Rhymes is on the same level as T.I. And I'll be honest with you, I think T.I. better. Right, I like, I prefer T.I. music more. Okay. The greatness of Buster Rhymes is he is rap's First anime rapper, okay? okay? He is the animated rapper. He can do what he does great is different flows. Not necessarily what he says. He says some good, some dope too. Bars. Huh? He definitely got bars in that, you know, whatever cadence he uses or whatever. There's bars. Happening. Exactly. Okay. No, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not saying like he's not like a, a good lyricist. He, like, he's a, okay. Imagine if he was talking the way Jadakiss was talking right. while doing that flow. Right. That would be something even more incredible. I'm just saying that Buster, he, his greatest, his greatest, uh, what's that word? His greatest attribute to me uh-huh. is his flow. Right. You know what I mean? It's his animation in his flow. In my opinion, that's just me. I think T.I. is the rap artist, rap artist. I really do believe that about T.I. Okay. T.I., where, where Busta is going to make that hip-hop hit, like he's, um, what's that song? If you really want to party with me, like that's a classic number one all-time, you know what I mean? Like he made that song. Right, right. But, the, but as far as 15 top 10 hits, yeah, T.I. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? T.I. Don't get me wrong. There is a there is a four. I would say not even four. I would say three. There's a three album run. And that's where like the comparison for me are like, I love that. Like I would have loved to see a T.I. versus Busta Rhymes rather than T.I. Jeezy. That's just what that's exactly what T.I. just said, you know, based on what you told me. That's basically the generation because they had they, they're basically artists that was out in 2004 those two artists came out in around 2003 2004 yeah. you know what I'm saying so that makes sense based on what he said T.I. being a f- political f- he's a he's a he's a smart one I give him that um but you know for some reason he not smart enough to find a way to beat up Mayweather anyway so let's keep going <laughs> I'm, I'm, but what what is what does T.I. have against Mayweather? Scenario. Oh. Like, what would he... Like, that's an automatic win for Buster. Well, I mean, I don't think Buster would pop out scenario, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he can 
He can he can go straight from the the first hit. He can go woo ha, got you all in check. Even though like he can slow grind his way yeah. to then all the newer hits. And his, I, you know, I'm not saying he'll beat Ti. I'm not saying Ti would beat Buster either. That's the point that I'm making. I would like that's a really good battle. That's a battle for the 11 spot of the greatest rappers ever, in my opinion. Yeah, he, I, I'm looking at a Buster's little catalog right now, and I like he got a bunch of bangers, yo. He do. He really do. He really, really do. He's yo. Buster is great, right? And I think Ti is great. I mean, to Ti and Jeezy, like you know, that's that's that. 2004, the yeah. game was about to be different. It was moving more southern. Yeah. And Jeezy, you know, look, man, do I think Jeezy could rap? No, but Jeezy music is great. I'm not even going to sit there and stun on that. Jeezy first three albums, just like we talking about with Busta Rhymes and T.I. These are three artists where their first three albums were really, really good. Ice Cube, but like those are signs of great artists to me. Right. You so, don't hit no sophomore slump like a mace, you know? What I think it is, where, where I think T.I. is scared, is that Busta Rhymes, because if you think about it, if you want to be real, Busta Rhymes is like early to mid-90s. He can go back that far, and he's going to tap into an audience that T.I. does not have access to. But he can also come to us, our generation, where it's like, we were, you know, when Leaders when Leaders in the New School was popping, when Scenario was popping, like, we were still, like, very young at that time. But then, when we got older and we were coming into our teens, Busta Rhymes, you know, still was giving us hits. You know what I'm saying? And then when we got grown and T.I. was popping, you know what I'm saying? Busta Rhymes is still kind of sprinkled in that era as well. So, I don't, I don't think that that would be a formidable matchup. I think T.I. is right in that Buster Rhymes got like three decades of that he could tap into. Hey, man. No one told you to go to jail. And... <laughs> That's another case of that OPTA. Hey, say nah. <laughs> Are we too young to date 50-year-old women? Well, hold on. Before I answer this question, Hanif, where the f*** you get this question from? So I, I was looking at, I was looking at, um, uh, what's her name? The actress. The Raji P. Henson? Raji P. Henson just recently broke up with, with her dude. Um... What's the uh, Tracy Ellis Ross has been putting up these fire selfies and these one piece cat suits. And then in my mind, I'm like, yo, am I in the age group where it's okay to shoot my shot with a 50 year old? Like, I, when I think about it, like, my mom is in her late 50s. My mom won't be 60 until next year. So, would it be okay if I'm like, if I touch a 49 or a 50 year old woman that is, you know, fire, can I, can I match wits with that? Okay. Now I understand where this is coming from. This is about your penis. I got it. Okay. Listen, hear me out. Hear me out. So what we need to do to date a 50 year old woman 
Because the 50-year-old woman that you want to date is Taraji P. Henson. You don't want to date Philadelphia 50-year-old woman, okay? Like, that's not what you want. You want, no, you want, no, no, no. You want, you want a 50-year-old woman that is, you know, like, still in the gym at 10 a.m. Right. You know, looking like Taraji P. Henson. Like, Taraji P. Henson legit looks 36. Legit. Right. I didn't even know she was 50 years old until this whole, you know, breakup with the former NFL player. Right. Yeah. So we need to get this podcast jumping, dog. Like I need to get money from this. Like this is the, I would definitely date a 50 year old woman only if her name was Kerry Washington. Okay. But that's just my shallowness. I'm being honest. A 50-year-old woman that I see as I walk down the street and go to the corner store, go to the bodega to get me a blunt bill or something like that. No, 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 no. Now, Janet Jackson is... See, look, you keep talking about celebrities. I mean, look at her. Janet Jackson is probably in her mid to late 50s. And I would do everything. Okay. I shouldn't have said it like that. I am sorry. <laughs> I was, listen. <laughs> I am so sorry. I don't, I don't think I said nothing that bad, but Jesus. I, oh man, I am sorry. I am so sorry. You And you probably remember this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to give off too much information because it's, you know, it's people that it's in the public, but we were at a, an event a few years back and there was this woman that was, and, and at the time we would have been about 34, 35, that was about 45 and she was fired. You know what I'm saying? She was like young at heart. She was very, you know, pretty. She had a head full of silver hair. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I remember her. She was in shape. She was thin. Yeah. I remember her. And yeah, I remember that sister. Yeah, I mean, and she had great conversation. She's not a celebrity. I mean, but she has the look of one. And I got her number, but I never called her. Oh, that's interesting. Damn. Why you didn't take her out to, like, the museum? I should have took her to all the records and looked up <laughs> ancestors or something. Whoa, no. 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 Come on. <laughs> a Broadway play. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> a Broadway play where you take her to go see a house. A house. Yeah, like, you yo, I'm, I'm, I'm in the market of buying a house. Older women like that. Like going, they love that Going shit. to new developments. Yeah. Riding through and talking about what they would do to the yard and all that shit. You right. They also like cooking. Hmm. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. Time to play the game where we find out who's capping. It is. This is some All right, honey. Are you ready to play the game? I am ready. All right, cool. We want to find out who's capping. We already know this is, is uh, you know, is this the bull? We all know what the game is. It's called Is This the Bull? Where we find out if this is. Right. All right, here we go. Hanif, here we go. Is it bullshit? Is it bullshit? Is it bullshit? 
that a 50-year-old Academy Award-winning actress can't keep a retired millionaire athlete? I think it's bullshit in that a uh, retired athlete can't keep a 50-year-old actress like Taraji P. Henson. I would uh, be washing dishes and cooking dinner and accommodating her schedule to make sure that that relationship worked. What about drinking bath water? It seems like black men like to drink bath water of women. That's what I've been hearing a lot of black men doing lately. What's going on? Let's do that. I'm going to stop short of that because I have dignity. Thank you, sir. Okay. <laughs> Kanye told Twitter, he told Twitter that Saturday Night Live uses blacks to hold other blacks down, referencing to Issa Rae's F. Kanye skit that she did on SNL not too long ago. Hanif, is it bullshit that instead of congratulating Issa on being the first black female host in the 40 plus year existence of SNL, we have to keep it real stale because of black on black backlash? Yeah, I think that's some bullshit. Because I feel like Issa is a comedian. She's a, a good comedian. She's funny. And Kanye should have, you know, just taken that in stride. It doesn't have to always be a plot of black on black. It's, it, it was relevant and it was to the point. So, yeah, I think he might be reaching with that one. I will say this. I look at Issa as a very good writer. Definitely nowhere near a good comedian. <laughs> but, okay, let's go to the next one. Is it bullshit? Is it bullshit? Is it bullshit, Hanif, that Shonda Rams, the producer of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, doesn't get the same level of Hollywood gravitas as Medea? I mean, Tyler Perry. Go. Complete bullshit. Uh, Shonda Rhimes has generated $2 billion and counting in revenue for ABC. So for Disney, who owns ABC, to not want to give her a $154 ticket and free pass to Disneyland is completely asinine bull****. You Disney, you know what? I'm canceling my subscription right now. I'm not watching Darkwing Duck for a week. you. I love Rescue Rangers, show. That's my yeah, I love Disney. Anyway, I'm sorry. All right. Next game. I mean, next game. Next question. I'm bugging. A family from Detroit has filed a $50 million federal lawsuit against the city of Southfield when Southfield paramedics wrongly declared 20-year-old Tamisha Uchump dead. Hanif, is it bullshit that we have to die correctly just to get reparations? Yeah, that's some bullshit. I feel like a lot of people in that scenario would have had to drop the ball uh, in order for this young lady who could have possibly survived. Um, yeah, that that's just complete bullshit and uh, disrespectful to black people. And in 2019, Jay-Z became the chief brand strategist for a Cali-based cannabis entitled Calibur. Now in 2020, Jay has a cannabis product of his own. It's entitled Monogram for chain smokers like me. Mm -hmm. Now, Hanif, is it bullshit that Jay is looking to conquer a market that Snoop, Whoopi, and Martha Stewart have already smoked up? I think if 
it would be dope if he was growing on Rick Ross's newly acquired 87 acres of land. Um, other than that, um, I feel like Jay-Z has touted that he was a retired drug dealer. And in true Jay-Z fashion, like when he retired from rap, he has made a resurgent back into the drug industry where he is feeling like he's home. All right, everybody. That's our game. Thank you. F*** you. Bye-bye. Hey, yo, what the f*** is some pallet right here?